0: Welcome back to Horoscope Witch, it's Mal and we've got a special and interesting episode today where I have somehow decided that it is now time for me to sort of tell my story and I felt it important to sort of introduce myself to any new podcast listeners but I also felt it even more important to sort of reintroduce myself To any OG listeners who have been, God bless you all, (laughs) listening to this from the very beginning. And, you know, I don't think I've actually told my story from start to finish. I think I've told snippets here and there of things that have happened to me on my spiritual path. But I don't think I've ever actually sat down and told this story that I'm about to tell you from start to finish. Now, if you are a Patreon supporter, I did make a sort of spark notes version of this in a video um, a couple months ago. So spoiler alert, if you've watched that, you kind of know um, most of this story. So I apologize if you're listening, and I'm going to repeat some of it. But I'll try to make it more interesting. <laughs> I'll try to make it interesting for y'all. If you if you're a Patreon supporter and you've already listened to some of this, but um, I thought it was time for me to do this for multiple reasons. One, I wanted to celebrate my the release of my online tarot class, and the whole. Premise of the class that I I've released, which is Tarot for Personal Transformation. That's what the class is called. Um, the whole the whole undertone of that class is that we can use Tarot to change our lives, and I don't say that because like I'm a cheesy motivational speaker life coach, <laughs> but I, I say that because literally tarot did change my life like literally like as you will hear in this story tarot literally changed my life (laughs) getting that deck of cards was um like the most life-changing moment for me and also I I think I have to sort of be the living breathing embodiment of my personal tarot teachings, which is that, uh, which are things that we kind of are going to learn in the class. Like, how can I make my own definition from this card? How can I tell my own story through this card? How can I, um, you know, use this card to change an unhealthy pattern? Or how can I use this card to sort of you know, take a risk or go on my spiritual path, etc, etc. And I've done all of those things with the tarot. If anything, I took the tarot cards to an extreme level, like, like most people, I don't think, um, you know, really let the cards change their life. But the way I work with tarot is very serious. um, Because I view tarot as a reflection of my soul and my guides and my path. So, you know, in in the serious nature in which I view tarot, it has proven to sort of work because in, in the short time that I've had the cards, I think my life has transformed in really, really, really large ways. So, you know, in the theme of the class, you know, um, in the theme of what I I kind of teach about the tarot and, you know, how we can actually use the tarot to to feel more aligned on our paths, I thought I would just kind of, you know, practice what I preach and sort of tell my story a little bit. And um, I wanted to kind of plug my class too, if you don't mind. Um, You know, I've taught tarot in person a handful of times, but this is my first online class. And um, you know, I've said this, but you know, every student that I had in person told me that they liked the class um, and they got a lot out of my teachings, but they wished the class was longer. So that's why I kind of decided to make the online class eight weeks. So you're definitely in it for the long run if you sign up. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think eight weeks is a good amount of time to really, you know, get familiar with the cards. And I also view the class to what I want to give my my first round of students. Um, By the way, I'm calling this first cohort the fools because it is our it is my first online cohort and i just kind of had the intuitive feeling that we would all um you know be entering this class because we felt like we were on the precipice of a new beginning or there was something shifting in our souls or you know there was a full moment that all of us are either going through or are going to be going through soon And I had this feeling about this class and how us as a group are going to sort of evolve over the eight weeks and and really go on the fool's journey. So that was sort of the theme of the first cohort. Um, But like I said, that's what we'll be doing in the class. We'll be sort of, yes, learning about each card, learning about um, like both the traditional and the modern view of the card. But, you know, my sort of pedagogy or my viewpoint of the tarot is that in sort of examining both the traditional meaning of the card and maybe a little bit more of a modern meaning of the card, somewhere in the middle, we can sort of find our own story with the card. And that's what I noticed, too, um, about tarot or what people say about tarot, what makes it a hard subject. Um, You know, some students will be like, well, like, again, like your definition makes sense I like what you're saying about the card, but then I pull the card and then I have no idea what it means. <laughs> like the definition just kind of like leaves them. And I think I noticed um, some of my students saying this at first and it changed how I was teaching tarot too. Because then I realized too that the only way we really pull a card and and immediately Know what it means or immediately sort of connect with our guides is if we have our own personal definition of it too. So we'll be talking about these things in the class. um, And I think that's why um, this class is powerful because yes, we'll be talking about the meanings, yes, we'll be talking about the traditional definitions, but I'm hoping to lead you to your own stories with the cards, and I'm hoping to lead you at least on a path, you know, after the eight weeks are over. um, I'm hoping that, that you can kind of go on your own path with the cards and really sort of Um, continuing developing your story and your anecdotes and your philosophies and your feelings about the cards too and that's really how we get away from I call it guidebook mode Um, the sort of I pull a card and Within 10 seconds, I'm I'm digging in all of my guidebooks, seeing what someone else is saying about this card. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm a guidebook whore. Like I, have, I am staring right now at, at at least 10 tarot guidebooks. I love tarot guidebooks. Um, but if we really want to like have this relationship with the tarot that does change our lives, I think we kind of have to sort of come to our our own definitions somehow and those are kind of the things that we'll be exploring in the class so um I should have put this episode out right when I released the class that would have made more sense but I didn't because I'm a Pisces <laughs> but um if uh if what do I what was I gonna say oh I was gonna say um about the class is about halfway full right now I imagined a small class, I'm going to cap the class at 10 people. Um, So right now there's like, I think either five or six people. Um, And you know, for me, I really had no expectation of the number. I was talking to Allison, Serial Odyssey Allison, who's been on this podcast a couple times um, and you know before I released the class I was really nervous because you know before you release something you're like oh my god no one's gonna sign up Um, and uh, of course that didn't happen and you guys are awesome and some of you signed up right away and I, I felt so thankful but I told Allison I was like you know even if one person signs up I'm, I'm totally cool. We'll just have a private tutoring session for eight weeks. (laughs) Like, um, I I don't know, I feel like I'm okay with any size class. And I and I really trust in the universe that The Fools, the the first cohort, will be filled with exactly the people that are right for the class. And if it's a little bit of a smaller class, that's totally fine. If we hit the full 10 people plus me making a table of 11, that's totally okay too. Um, But I wanted to cap it at 10 because I I want us, this, my whole thing is, I want us to tell our stories, you know, I want us to chat, I want us to get it get to know each other. Um, I want to hear, I really want to hear your story with this card, because it will then deepen my understanding of the card. And I want to hear your feelings about this. And I want us to have room to talk and grow and get to know each other and, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's my style as a teacher. <laughs> so, and that's why I think any tarot class that I'll release, um, I think I'll, I'll keep it as a smaller cohort because of that reason. I don't want to have like, you know, 25, 30 people on a Zoom call and me just lecturing. Um, I, I want it to be a discussion, you know? I I want it to be Um, an exploration of of this beautiful subject. So that's all I'm going to say about the class. If you are um, one of the fools, if you think you're one of the fools and you want to join the class, um, I'll leave the link in the show notes. And the class begins on July 12th, 2020. It is a live Zoom class once a week for two hours on Sundays for eight weeks. Um, So you're getting about 16 hours of class time and there's a whole bunch of other stuff um, that kind of is included in the class. I'm going to give you packets and homework and you know it'll be fun. <laughs> it'll be fun though. It'll be fun homework, and uh, there's a bunch of other stuff too. So I'll just let you read the description on my website if this is ringing a bell. And yes, if if you want to take the class, but there's um, Sundays don't work for you, or right now money is tight, or whatever it may be. Um, I, I I'm guys. I'm gonna be here forever. You know, part of the reason. I think I got started with my spiritual journey younger as a young person is because I'm meant to sort of do this for a long time. And I imagine I will have many tarot classes. So if you're not a fool, maybe you're a high priestess in the next cohort. <laughs> maybe you're an emperor or a magician or whatever it may be. Uh, so, so yeah, guys, um, thank you so much for listening and letting me plug that class. And I'm trying to think, is there anything else I wanted to say before we get in to the story, my spiritual journey? <laughs> i i think we're good okay yeah let's let's get into it so can i just say that when i first um got started with this stuff i was really lost i had no idea that like the instagram tarot astrology witchcraft community even existed I knew that there were a few podcasts that talked about this kind of stuff that I found. And I also found a few YouTube channels like Jesse, Jesse Huntingberg, which who I interviewed on the last episode, um, and a couple other YouTube witches that I kind of listened to when I first got started. But I, I really did have no idea that this stuff was so big and so popular. But I do remember like those first few months of, of going on my path and, um, you know, listening to people like Jesse or I remember listening to Natalie Ross on Dream Freedom Beauty podcast, which is now the Earth Speak podcast. I I remember listening to them kind of talk about their spiritual journey and how they got started. And that helped me so much and it helped validate me and it helped me feel less alone because again, I had no idea that this big community on Instagram existed back then, you know, and uh, and yeah, but I think also I haven't made my own my spiritual journey story until now, because I think I was still figuring a lot of things out. As you'll kind of hear in in the story, my journey went really fast. Um, I when i first started reading professionally i was extremely self-conscious about my age Um, i was extremely paranoid that someone was gonna come and yell at me (laughs) for for trying to sort of go professional so soon at such a young age Granted, that's really just the voice, the imposter syndrome voice inside of my head. <laughs> but I I really do think that I was kind of afraid to tell my story for those reasons, though. It was sort of a self-centered reason, but I felt like I just didn't want to make it. Um, I, I didn't want to draw too much attention to both my age or my age years of experience, which is like, very small. (laughs) And, uh, and I think that's what kept me from, you know, telling my story, I wanted to feel like I had, um, you know, experience under my belt, before I kind of tell my story. But also, my my view on that has changed a lot over the years and, or over, I should say, hasn't even been years over, let's say a year and a half. You know, I've met so many intuitives, both in person and online and I've gotten, um, i 've gotten i don 't want to say hundreds of readings but i've at this point i 've gotten dozens and dozens and dozens of readings, especially card readings and psychic readings um, i haven 't gotten dozens of astrology readings i 've probably had a handful of of astrology readings but i've I basically have had a lot of experience being read for. And I think in that too, what I started to realize is that a reading is a reading. A good reading is a good reading. You know, if you help someone, you help someone. If you're able to, you know, deliver your message in a really helpful way, it is what it is and it doesn't necessarily matter um, your experience level. Like the, it's sort of about, it's about how, um, it's about how effective you can be at what you do. And that's what I learned too on, on my journey too. So I guess I just say that because there could be some people listening right now who have the same sort of imposter syndrome that I used to have. I'm too young, or like, I'm too inexperienced, or, um, you know, someone's gonna (laughs) yell at me, (laughs) because I don't have, like, I'm not, I haven't been a psychic for 20 years, and whatever. Um, But, you know, I have to say, like, you know sometimes and I'm not saying this to be cocky or whatever but sometimes I feel like um, you know I like the style that I read in better than a psychic that I might know who's done this for 20 years I, you know it, like it's all about who your client is too and I'll always remember that you are will always attract the the readings that are meant to be and you will just naturally sort of manifest the people that need your message too. So that's something I learned on my journey too. And now I'm finally at the point where I've kind of let go or at least tried to let go of a lot of that imposter syndrome about my age and my experience level. And now I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, I I I've been doing this for long enough where I've seen um you, you know you guys have helped me because you tell me, you know, oh you you said this and it really helped me or you did you, you did this in a reading and this stuck with me or whatever. And I've started to realize over time how important it actually is for me to continue to do this despite Um, my age, my insecurity about my age, despite my insecurities about my experience level, because it's not about me at the end of the day, you know? And that's the other thing about being on a spiritual path. You are the vessel of spirit. You are the vessel of God. So it's sort of like, I've kind of realized who am I to sort of hold back the message of spirit, because I'm insecure about what people are going to think about me, you know, because this whole thing isn't even about me, right? It's about something so much greater. And it's about my, um, my opportunity to to make someone's life better, or um, my opportunity to be the vessel for someone's spiritual message. That's what it's actually about. So if I can do that, and I don't because I'm too insecure, well, that's pretty, that's actually pretty egoic, right? (laughs) That's a really big ego story. So I've slowly but surely kind of been getting over that. But yeah, that's, I wanted to just say that's kind of why I, I really haven't told my story up until this point. So if you're an OG listener, you probably know that my story began in malaysia which i know is a is a really interesting place to have your spiritual journey and if you're also an og listener you know that we have an unofficial drinking game (laughs) on this podcast which is that every time i mention malaysia you have to take a shot so (laughs) if i can get through I don't think I've actually gotten through one maybe maybe one episode I've gotten through on this entire podcast without mentioning Malaysia but it just doesn't happen I'm sorry I know I'm the annoying study abroad kind of kid but I I can't help it because that's where so many things happened so you're just going to have to forgive me for this episode but if you're a brand new listener then you then I can just go on and on about it all I want because you don't even you don't know yet so (laughs) also by the way before I just start I wanted to say that I was listening to the um, speaking of witch podcast with Sammy and Skylar and they were saying something I don't even remember what episode it was but they were saying that when they begin a if when they find a new podcast, they listen to it for all the way from the beginning. And I can't tell you the panic that 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 gave within me, like, <laughs> because it, cause it didn't even occur to me that that is Um, a technique or a strategy people use when it comes to listening to podcasts. Like I couldn't even fathom finding a new podcast and thinking, oh, I should start all the way from the beginning. Like I always start um, just wherever I feel called to. Um, So I just feel like, oh my God, I pray to um, like Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Muhammad, and Buddha. I pray to them all that nobody ever does this for that for my podcast. (laughs) Like, please do not listen to the beginning episodes because I I don't even know. Um, But if if you have, um, if you have listened since the beginning, you know that I started this podcast in Malaysia. And you know that I kind of had a spiritual awakening, um, you know, traveling Asia after college. Now, I'm not going to go into details about why I specifically chose Malaysia. It's a really long story. Um, Spark notes is that I was a religious studies major in college. I was also an English major. I became really interested in... Islam, I ended up writing my thesis, um, my religious studies thesis on the hijab in Malaysia. Um, If you didn't know, Malaysia is a predominantly Muslim country. So that's how I kind of began becoming interested in sort of really getting to know and opening my heart to the people of Malaysia. And I also was um, like just interested in. The Islamophobia that exists in America, and I really wanted, felt it in, very important for me as an American to experience a Muslim country. So I became very, 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 um, like interested in going to a Muslim country. Um, at first I was kind of looking into teaching in Turkey, um, but you know I I, I ended up in Malaysia. So let's kind of fast forward to, you know, I graduated college, I waited a little bit of time, you know, and then my teaching program started at the very, very beginning of 2018. And I kind of see 2018 as sort of like the turning point and my sort of dark night of the soul. Um, So if you can imagine, it's, it's kind of a big thing to prepare to leave for an entire year, you know, and also this my southeast asian spiritual awakening is is not like other people's southeast asian spiritual awakening (laughs) if you know if you get what i'm saying like we kind of see on instagram all of these like you know yogis going to like um a yoga retreat in bali or bangkok or something and you know i'm not i'm not talking smack about that like i think that you know southeast asia if you go there it's it's like the most spiritual place in the world so i think westerners can't help but have like these spiritual awakenings when they go to southeast asia because um you know it's just such a different culture it's such a different um vibe okay and it just feels completely different and you really start to hear your soul when you go there. Now granted um, where I was in Southeast Asia was not bali it was not bangkok (laughs) you know i i went to malaysia which is sort of um malaysia is sort of um the country in southeast asia that is unlike all of the rest (laughs) um it can be a conservative country um, in certain places especially where i ended up living for the long haul i was in a very um traditional um like muslim part of malaysia malaysia as um a country is extremely diverse there's um you know there's indian malaysians who are predominantly um hindu um there are chinese malaysians who are predominantly christian or buddhist and then um like indigenous malaysian people are are muslim so there's there's a ton of different religions it's it's really like the the religious studies paradise in malaysia because you can kind of really in certain parts of malaysia especially if you go to somewhere like georgetown on one street, you'll see um, a mosque, a Hindu temple, a Buddhist temple, and a Christian church on the same street, which is just kind of, um, for me, it's really amazing. But there's other parts in Malaysia, like the, the East Coast, where I was based, where I was teaching in my school, was was extremely um, traditional. Um, and I was definitely one of the only um, women in my community who, who was un- who was uncovered or did not wear the hijab. So that was an experience in itself. Now, My journey with tarot kind of started right at the beginning because I was going on this huge, um, we could call it the fool's journey. You know, I was taking this huge fool's leap into going to this country. I had never been there. Of course, I, like I said, I had researched the country and I knew a lot about it and I had it in my heart and my soul that I wanted to sort of, um, go there but I um I had it was still scary like you you don't know um you know what you're in for you know and you're leaving for a year you're leaving everything you know behind um you know because Malaysia is a very tropical climate I pretty much didn't bring like any of my regular clothes I had um I think my teaching program paid for 100 pounds of luggage for my ticket so that's basically like two suitcases for a whole year you can't bring really anything that you need to because you're also bringing like food and medicine and like all of this stuff because you're you're going to the jungle like (laughs) you know you, you know you might be in a um living condition that is um that's going to require some like, different, let's just call it different survival mechanisms than you're used to in America. Right. So just even like packing and going on this journey was like such a leap of faith. But I'm so glad I, I had that experience. Um, now, in the teaching program that I joined, um, you know, it was it was a group of American teachers and we all were going to be sort of dispersed amongst the country at dif- in different schools, um, so we kind of started out when we all arrived. We started out in um, Kuala Lumpur um, it, for our training, right? So if you've ever been to Kuala Lumpur, it's the capital of Malaysia, and it's it's a very modern city. I think it's extremely clean. Um, it, it's it's a really cool city. I think. Um, I have a special place in my heart for Kuala Lumpur. Um, and, you know, on the last day of training before we were about to be like bust off to our more rural areas and really like start this journey. Um, I um, they kind of told us like, all right, like you're in a city, like go buy this stuff that you're not going to be able to get you know, in your in your placement. So, you know, I was I was walking around the city, I went to get like a comfortable pillow. (laughs) Like I, I went to buy like a couple things that I just wasn't sure that I was gonna be able to find once I got to my actual house and everything. And I ended up going into a bookstore and I bought this book Um, I ended up buying, like, a couple English books that I could find, and for some reason, um, this book, it's called How to Read Tarot Cards, Um, it's, like, this little... um, this little like how-to guide. Um, it says, "Amaze and entertain yourself and your friends with the ancient Egyptian tarot cards." So yeah, it's like this little book. It's like a hundred years old. I'm holding it right now, and it it has like all of like these um, like. I don't know, like super, super traditional definitions and these interesting, like Egyptian mysticism connections to the tarot. And I ended up buying this book. Isn't that weird? Like, I didn't have a deck of tarot cards. I didn't know why I was buying this book, but like at the beginning of the journey, I bought this book. Like, I just saw it and I felt like I needed to have it. I don't know why. Now, if you know, um, if you know, if you kind of listen to parts of my journey, you know that I've I've been into astrology since I was like I think around twelve. Um, you know, I, I've definitely um, been like, and it was always more than just into it, like as a hobby. Like I think I actually started like studying it from a pretty young age, and. it it all very it all very much intrigued me but it really hadn't occurred to me until later that like tarot cards might some be something I was interested in but really I, I didn't know like I knew I was into astrology but I didn't know I was into tarot cards so I got this book you know I got a couple other English books and you know the next day we left Kuala Lumpur and um, we, we took like, I don't, f- I don't fucking know. Like, I feel like I just like block these long bus rides out of my memory because, <laughs> because taking a bus ride in Southeast Asia is not fun. Like there's, oh God, like there, there there's like, uh, I, I won't go into the details, but it is, it is not fun. So um, yeah, and I bought that book and I kind of forgot about it. Um, it was kind of overwhelming me and my like teaching partner. We got to our house. Um, we kind of were setting up shop. It was a lot of adjustments. Um, it was a lot of, um, you know, it was a learning lesson, you know, the first couple months of, of how to sort of function in this new country. We were, um, we were learning to drive on the different side of the road, um, with 50 motorbikes, you know, around us. Um, we were, um, learning just even how to go to the grocery store, how to go to, um, like the the Sunday market and buy vegetables like there were a lot of like different shifts that we kind of had to make so I kind of forgot that I bought that tarot card book it just kind of sat at my desk for a while and there was a point early on in the year of that of my teaching program where we all kind of met um for like I think it was called like a first quarter huddle kind of thing so all of um the teachers kind of we met at a place at a, in a group and we kind of had a little bit of like a discussion or an unpacking of like how things were going so far right um so this is when i mentioned my friend um maria and i'll just say her name because i don't think she cares that i'm gonna mention her but um at this sort of meetup or the huddle um You know, me and Maria, we're both um, water signs. So we kind of started talking about tarot for some reason. And she, for some reason, asked me if I read tarot cards. And again, isn't that weird? Like I bought this tarot book in Kuala Lumpur like two months ago. And now someone's asking me, do I read tarot? And what I told her then, I actually told her, I don't but I also kind of had a feeling that I should be and I told her that I thought of the old wise tale that you had to receive your deck as a gift and I told her I I don't know anybody who would be able to give me a deck okay (laughs) so um of course back then that was actually something I had read um like I think it was either in that little book that I got in Kuala Kuala Lumpur or maybe it was just something that I like picked up off the street I don't know but I was under the impression at some point in that beginning of the tarot journey that I couldn't have a deck because someone had not given it to me okay so I I just have to say I'm sure you've heard this before but I just it's an old wise tale don't believe it you can buy your own deck i give you permission to buy your own deck um but yeah so i that's what i told her though i was like i don't have a deck so i i can't do it um yeah so remember this part of the story (laughs) okay um now this now we kind of left the huddle and we kind of went back to our schools and you know we're all still kind of struggling and kind of figuring out you know how to survive you know in this in this jungle climate with um people with a culture that is completely 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 different than American culture um with wearing different clothes um you know, using different money, driving on the different side of the road, it was just like a completely um, different experience. And even verbalizing the experience kind of feels like I'm cheapening it in a way. Um, now, I feel like it's important to say too, you know, I think we're nearing maybe the f- somewhere in the first half of the year. Um, you know, I-, I was kind of seeing people too, talk about um, oh I can't wait for um, my family to come visit or like I can't wait for this person to come visit at this point in the year and people had started like making plans for like visitors and I knew that no one in my family was going to come visit me you know and also at the time I had been dating someone um from like we decided to do long distance and at the time I thought this person was going to be my visitor like I thought he was going to come and and sort of spend some time with me but we ended up sort of um breaking up um like right kind of before the time it would have been you know the time to solidify our plans about like how is this person going to visit where are we going to go um etc etc so we ended up breaking up and I was I felt really heartbroken not necessarily um uh, I I guess about the person but I, I think I felt more upset at the end of the day that I really was not going to have like anybody who was gonna come see me and I was just kind of gonna be alone <laughs> um, so I kind of felt lonely a little bit now it's it's interesting because it was also my 12th house perfection year Um, so I was I was you know in a foreign country feeling isolated um, feeling like lonely like no one was going to visit me I was a little bit heartbroken and also because me and this person sort of broke up and we kind of you know we were kind of before the breakup we were talking about going different places and um like meeting in thailand or you know other other places in southeast asia so now that we had broken up those plans were kind of um a little bit ruined, and I didn't really have these plans to go anywhere. So our big kind of break was coming up, our holiday, um, and I saw all my friends having plans to go meet their family or meet their significant others or whatever in different parts of Asia and I didn't have any plans so I was kind of um freaking out and again I was heartbroken um that this person and I kind of just broke up so it was kind of a low point in the year and I just fucking started to be like all right I guess I'm going somewhere else (laughs) you know by myself (laughs) like I I just I don't know I feel like I um I I how do I say this from that point I guess I wasn't afraid to do a solo trip but I didn't necessarily want to either but up until that point I knew it was important for me to sort of go somewhere by myself like what was I supposed to do like I wasn't gonna like stay in my um placement in my town during the holiday when I could be traveling somewhere else you know So what I ended up doing, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I ended up just deciding, you know what, I'm going to go to Hong Kong by myself. (laughs) So I bought the ticket um, and I I really had no idea what was going to happen. I was pretty scared to um, travel alone. Um, At that point, I hadn't really had that much experience traveling alone. Granted, like I had, you know, chosen to embark on this journey to Malaysia without knowing anybody but up until that point you know any sort of traveling thing was always with my teaching cohort so I was always like with the group or even though I didn't know anybody we were all some of us were on the plane together to get to Malaysia or, you know, so on and so forth. So this was really the first point in the year where I really kind of broke away from the group and decided to like do something on my own. Um and also there's a point with me too where when I feel heartbroken or when I um yeah, when I'm going through a breakup or, or feeling like yeah, like heartbroken, I start to um I always start to transform, like every really bad breakup or really bad heartbreak that I've ever gone through, it always comes right before I'm about to expand. Um, and And then in retrospect, it really feels like I had to go through that heartbreak because that person that I was with could no longer meet me where I was and also wasn't going to grow with me. So I had to shed them. Okay. So, um, once I got to Hong Kong guys, um, the, the feeling of being there, I I felt so elated. I felt so free. I kind of almost immediately felt like there was a reason that I wasn't somewhere else with this significant other. You know, I immediately felt like there was a reason that I was there, um, by myself. Now, um, the... the... F- one time when I was there for a day, um, I ended up meeting with a friend. Um, now my friend, this is a friend from college who's actually from Shenzhen, China, which is about an hour away from Hong Kong. So she happened to meet, come meet me in Hong Kong, and we had this really beautiful day. Um, me and her name's Lin. So me and Lin, we like went shopping, we ate, we. We went to these bookstores Lynn kind of took me all around Hong Kong I was so thankful that you know she was able to sort of be my tour guide for the day and it's such a guys it's such a beautiful city I can't even do it justice to talk about it um, it feels like it cheapens the experience almost but I just felt so light and so free in that city and um it, it's still it's probably one of my favorite cities in the world that I've ever been to um because it's um oh gosh it's just it's such an awesome city. So um me and Lynn um actually ended up at the end of our day we ended up in a bookstore. Now in that bookstore of the books um, were either in Cantonese or um, Mandarin. And there was a small percentage of the books in that bookstore that were in English. Okay. So, but it was a very nice and modern bookstore. It was in a really fancy mall. If you've ever been to Asia, all of the malls are so, so fancy. And (laughs) we were basically in this fancy bookstore in a mall and um you know we were looking at the books and of course I went over to like the little astrology section um the way I could describe this bookstore it was kind of like a really fancy Barnes Noble okay and um they did have a little astrology metaphysical section and like I said most of the things were um were in Chinese um sorry Mandarin or Cantonese and There was one tarot deck on the shelf that was in English, and um, the tarot deck was the Osho Zen Tarot. And I said, oh my God, Lynn, um, oh my God, like, I can't believe it. Like, I've been wanting a deck for a couple months now, um, you know, but I can't buy it for myself because, you know, there's a story that, that, you know, you have to receive it from someone else, (laughs) Like, this is really what I thought. And Lynn was like, well, what if I bought it for you and then gave it to you? (laughs) And I was like, oh, Lynn, like, I don't want you to buy me something. You already like bought me lunch today and like took me around this whole city. And I said, what about this? Um, What if I give you my credit card? (laughs) and you go up to the register and you buy the deck with my card and then you give it to me (laughs) and she looked at me like I was crazy and um and she said, okay, yeah, let's do it. So um, she did it. She went, she bought the Osho Zen Tarot. And then I forget what she said, but when she came back to like hand me the bag with the tarot deck in it, um, she said something really funny. It was like, um, she like bestowed the deck upon me. Like she was like, Mallory Elizabeth Hasty, like I I give you this deck. And she said it in a very formal way as though I was being like, um it like initiated into knighthood or something um so I got it and I was so elated and then our day was kind of coming to an end Lynn and I ended up like getting one last like drink somewhere before she had to get on the bus back home and I ended up pulling her a card from the Osho Zen Tarot so it was interesting too that um you know my first day of having a deck I I was already reading for someone you know and that's kind of a sign (laughs) like I I was already I was already reading doing a reading for someone on the first day Um, and I I went back to my hotel after Lynn left and I couldn't guys I was so excited I couldn't even sleep like to have this deck and to like I don't know like it just felt it felt so right I was so excited Um, now I had about a week left in Hong Kong and I started like Kind of becoming obsessed with the deck very quickly. And I would sit in the ca- cafes and bookstores and I would just be carrying this deck all around the city. Um, within a couple of days, I kind of had gathered too that you were supposed to have the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck if you were trying to learn tarot. So, and I also had gathered that I loved the Osho Zen tarot, but I really kind of wanted that traditional deck so I felt kind of panicked I was like oh my god like I only at this point I only have a couple days left in Hong Kong and I'm never going to be able to find a tarot deck in Malaysia there has to be one English Rider Waite Smith deck somewhere in this city let me find it and I am not kidding you all I went on like a wild goose chase around the city of Hong Kong looking for a Rider Waite Smith deck Um, and I did find one I ended up somehow finding a Hong Kong tarot reader on Facebook and I ended up messaging her coincidentally she had like she said she had two or three copies of the Rider waite Smith. She would sell me one. I ended up going to her office, which was if you 've ever been to hong kong it 's a kind of a hard city to navigate because there 's so many twists and turns and hills, and the whole city is basically like on a mountain, so like to get to one level of the city. Like you have to go up like 50 million stairs and then it's, there's all these levels of the city. So I remember arriving at her office after being lost for about like an hour and I was sweaty and, um, this tarot reader, um, gave me, yeah, she sold me her Rider Waite Smith and, uh, she asked me, so what do you want to know? And I was stupid and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I think I think I'm good. And I just left the office. Now, in retrospect, I wish I had kind of had a little bit of a conversation with her, but I I didn't. And yeah, in the the next day, I sort of I a couple days later, even the next day, I don't remember the details, but I left Hong Kong and I was on my way back to Malaysia and I had these two tarot decks and my life was going to (laughs) change. so um you know for the remainder of the year and when i was in malaysia i um you know like i said like i i just really became um i i obsessed is the wrong word i want to say engrossed I, I really became engrossed in in the cards studying the cards um i listened and watched i watched youtube videos i listened to podcasts i um not even just about tarot I was I was trying to find like spiritual podcasts to listen to I started to really wake up um I started to feel like this thing was gonna be big for me like in a weird way um I started to read for other English teachers in my cohort and um I just spent I spent at least three or four hours a day studying tarot for like the remainder of the six months that I was there. <laughs> you know, it I just became my life. Um, and it became something that, um, it became kind of a fantasy because there was also this really, um, there was this feeling too that I was kind of in a fantasy because I was, teaching English in a foreign country, I was having all of these experiences where I was traveling to different places in Malaysia or even different places in Asia. And, um, you know, I I knew my time was going to come to an end and I was kind of afraid to get back to America because I felt like everything was going to like be taken away from me and go back to normal, I guess. Um, Now, I kind of kept collecting decks here and there when I would leave Malaysia for different holidays um, you know any city that I was in I would try to find a deck so I kind of collected a few decks here or there I think I even went back yeah I went back to Hong Kong for a second time um, just to kind of get another deck. <laughs> Because I knew that was a place that they I could get something. I remember also buying a copy of um, "Women Who Run with the Wolves" in Hong Kong, um, and again, it was like one of the e- only English books in the um, in the metaphysical sections of this one bookstore. Um, yeah, and, and I just I don't know. I, I, it became so big, and I was afraid that it was going to be taken away. Now, do you guys remember Maria at the beginning of this story? She was the friend that I was kind of talking to and she told me like, oh, do you, she asked me, do you read tarot? And I said, no. Um, well, now I kind of did read tarot and it had been a while since me and Maria had really caught up. So it was a little bit more at the end of the year. Um, and this is kind of the, the um, freaky part about this story. Okay it was more at the end of the year. Um, me and Maria kind of ran into each other. I think it was like at a party. I think someone was having like a little get together. Um, and, um, it was amongst Americans. Um, and me and Maria ended up going outside and talking and we ended up kind of catching up because we hadn't really talked to each other for like, I don't know, four to six months since that Conversation we had at the beginning of the year. And I told her, I was like, You won't believe it. I got a tarot deck when I was in Hong Kong. And guys, you guys are going to pee your pants. Okay. So she goes, Oh my gosh, it's so funny you say that. Uh, Because um, I wasn't going to tell you because I didn't want to disappoint you. But she said that um, her mom. Um, was coming to visit her and um, her in their house they actually had a tarot deck like in one of the drawers or something Um, like they just had a random tarot deck lying around their house right so Maria told her mom hey mom before you come to visit me will you bring that tarot deck because I want to give it to someone (laughs) So uh, her mom actually ended up having that tarot deck in her carry-on bag or something. And if you know anything about how you get to Malaysia, it's kind of a long flight pattern. You have to go from uh, from somewhere in America and you have to go to Hong Kong. And then from Hong Kong, you can connect to Kuala Lumpur. Okay, So that's kind of the the flight pattern. It takes about 15 to 16 hours on a plane to get from America to Hong Kong, and then it takes about a four-hour plane ride to get from Hong Kong to Kuala Lumpur. So sometime in Maria's mom's transit to Malaysia, she actually lost um, her little bag of snacks that happened to have my future tarot deck in it. And guess where she lost it? She lost it in the Hong Kong airport. So um, Maria said that she wasn't going to tell me because she didn't want to disappoint me. But what's funny about the whole thing is that I ended up getting my first tarot deck in Hong Kong. So it felt like the universe really wanted me to have this tarot deck. It felt like um, I had a backup plan. Like if Maria's mom hadn't lost that tarot deck, then like I would have still bought my deck in malaysia or what if there was a route where i hadn't bought that deck in the bookstore and i had said to lynn you know what i just don't think i can buy it because i'm not being given one and then maybe maria's mom wouldn't have lost her the her bag in the hong kong airport and i would have gotten the deck you know like you 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 don't know what exactly um the universe has in store but i i truly believe the universe had multiple outlets for me to get a tarot deck <laughs> which just kind of makes me want to cry but um i really feel like the universe wanted me to do this right um so you know the whole thing like you know nearing my end to like my my experience Oh, in Malaysia, um, that last month was, um, so, so difficult, but so rewarding at the same time. Um, you know, I didn't talk, it's impossible to get into, like, every single thing that happened that year, but, um, you know, I, I loved the kids so, so much, and, um, okay, I'm gonna try not to cry, but I'm probably gonna cry, um, (laughs) um, the, um, you know my my mentor who um was um like my Malaysian dad um you know at the end of that trip um you know i couldn't hug him because um how do i explain this it was sort of like not within the Malaysian customs for um like me as a woman to hug a man that like wasn't my family member you know and um you know my um but he was like my mentor the entire time like he took care of me he was another English teacher at the school um he was you know my dad essentially (laughs) you know the entire time so you know saying goodbye to him And not being able to give him a hug was something um, that still, like, really hurts me. And uh, it's something that makes me cry. Um, And there were also students that I couldn't hug because of the, um, like, I guess, cultural norms. Like, it just wasn't, like, what you were supposed to do, you know? So it was really interesting to leave because my cultural understanding of saying goodbye was um, different and it didn't mean that we didn't love each other right like you know I still talk to my Malaysian dad all the time on whatsapp and you know we're still friends and I still you know talk to my students on my Malaysia teacher instagram and all of that stuff but you know leaving something like that is so so hard. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't expect to cry this much. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like I can't talk about leaving without getting emotional. Um, but that's kind of where my tarot deck comes into, because um, my kind of my cards kind of kept saying like, wait, there's more like, you know, this isn't the end or like, (laughs) like this isn't the, um, the closing of the chapter of all of this stuff, you know, there's, there's more coming, I guess. So we kind of had our, had our goodbye and it's still hard because like, I don't know when I'm going back and I, and I don't know if I'm going to, um, see, you know, certain people that I, I truly, truly, love i don't know if i'll see them again i don't know when we'll run into each other uh yeah it's it's such a interesting experience that is um obviously still very fresh in my heart (laughs) um but you know we left malaysia um and I kind of did a little bit of a farewell to Asia tour one and I went to Japan so that was kind of my end of my year um I ended up like going for two weeks to travel Japan and um you know I had um I had one of those Japanese rail passes. So I went like, I went all around the country and it was amazing. And Japan is um, one of the quietest places in the world. And that's what makes it so powerful because you can really hear your soul when you're in Japan. Um, It's so quiet. Like, I I can't explain why it's so quiet, but it's the quietest place in the world. Um, especially after like the loud beeping and um, kind of chatter of Southeast Asia, the traffic and the pollution and the the um the conversation and, like the liveliness of of places in Southeast Asia once you get to japan it 's completely different, and it 's such it 's such an easy place to just be by yourself and get lost and kind of. Um, you know, sink into being like a stranger and just kind of be alone and do your own thing. And it was another point in my year where um, I just felt really elated to be alone. Okay, so um, and it was also strange too, because I had my deck and my decks, I should say with me. And I really didn't know what was next. Like, in 2 weeks i would be on a plane going back to america after this huge and unexplainable experience and yeah i i I, did, I could i couldn't even tell you what i was thinking i i didn't necessarily feel panicked but i also knew that anything that i was planning to do my li- with my life was you know completely lost <laughs> um like I just wasn't the same person, I guess. Um, sorry, I, I can't stop crying. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to re-record this so I can tell the story where I'm not crying. But let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, and, you know, there was a point where it was my last stop in Japan. Actually, I was near the Mount Fuji area. And I think I've told this story a little bit on the podcast. But I um, ended up staying in an Airbnb with this, um, you know, this Japanese guy who is awesome and he, he ran this beautiful Airbnb near Mount Fuji. Now, if you ever go to Japan, email me and I'll tell you where this Airbnb is because you have to stay there. It's, it's so awesome and the guy who runs it is awesome. And at this Airbnb, I ended up also meeting a British couple. So I ended up asking them, I was like, can I read for you all? (laughs) Because I really wanted to read for a stranger. I really wanted to have an experience where I was reading for someone who I didn't know. Okay, so because before that, I was reading for some of my teacher friends, um, American teacher friends, but I wasn't reading for any strangers. So I really wanted to read for a stranger. So I actually ended up reading for both of them at dinner, one night. And it was really fun. And they both kind of said um, to this Airbnb host, my, my Japanese Airbnb host, they were like, hey, you know, Mal has to give you a reading. And he was like, all right, yeah, tomorrow night, let's do it. So I ended up reading for him. And I'll always remember um, the strength card came out in that reading. And I always think of my story with him when I pulled the strength card. But he kind of had this amazing story about how he grew up in Tokyo and how, like, Tokyo culture is, is kind of toxic in a way because it's all about working. It's like a work hard, play hard culture for the most part. Um, and he was in business in Tokyo, and after doing it for, like, 20 years, he ended up in the hospital, and he had really poor health, and he knew he was going to die if he um, if he continued, you know, living like he was. So he ended up moving, you know, to the Mount Fuji area, which is so peaceful and so quiet. And, you know, even just the presence of Mount Fuji, you can feel the spirit of that mountain. And the spirit of that mountain is very, very powerful. And you can't help but like feel connected to God when you're there. So yeah, I ended up reading for him. And after the reading, he was like, He was like, first of all, I'm going to buy you dinner or I'm going to make you dinner as an exchange um, because he thought the reading was good and he made me the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. He made me like this really traditional Japanese bento box. Um, But he also told me um, he was like, you should do this like professionally, like you need to be doing this. And, uh, oh God, like, I I don't know. Like it was like a spiritual message. Like he was delivering me a spiritual message. And that's the thing about, um, you know, reading for people or going on the spiritual path or whatever, like people start to give you messages. You know, the people who you read for start to heal you too. So I didn't know, you know, where it was going to take me, and, um, and I went back to America, and I, and I, I remembered what he said, you know, I remember him saying, you know, you need to do this professionally, and within a month of being back in America, I still had no idea what I was doing, um. And I walked into a metaphysical shop by my house to buy a candle. And somehow I walked out hired as their new tarot reader. (laughs) So I guess, you know, being a tarot reader was really something that the universe wanted me to do. And... Um, I spent a year, about a year working in that shop. I would say a little bit over a year. Some of you might have met me at that shop or some of you might have heard me talk about this shop before. And I, I do feel like it was a crash course. Um, in everything, working there for just a year. Um, I had a crash course in shadow work. I had a crash course in grounding. I had a crash course in how to do a professional reading. I had a crash course in working with other psychics. I had a crash course in not taking care of myself and the extreme effects of not taking care of yourself and trying to do healing work on others. (laughs) Um, I made mistakes. I'm sure I said the wrong thing. I'm sure I, um, you know, did the wrong thing at certain times. I'm sure I made a million mistakes at that shop. I also um, had some really great moments there. I um, made some really amazing connections with certain people. Uh, I met some clients that uh, really um, also healed me, like I said. But um, I started to kind of think, like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Like, I don't know. I I imagine that, you know, I'll be able to hopefully do this work that i'm doing from anywhere in the world like i don't want to be tied down to one place like i want to be able to have this business that i can carry around with me on my back you know Um, i want to be able to do my work for anywhere from anywhere so kind of early in the journey i knew that working at a metaphysical shop for a lot of reasons wasn't um, for me for the long run, um, you know. It's also very energetically taxing to do in person healing, okay? And that's what a lot of people don't realize. Um, it's I also realized too that it was so much better for me. As um, just a person, as an empath, as a highly sensitive person, um, f- for me to be able to do my work online, um, and and to do uh, to see my clients at Zoom and do readings like virtually, I, I feel my energy is so much better um, because I'm so highly sensitive and because I'm so empathic. Sometimes, you know, when I'm when I'm in person like the odds of me absorbing someone's pain or someone's problems are so much greater. And um it did kind of become like a wake up call as to like, you know, what kind of work am I really be am I really meant to be doing? And I think that work that I'm meant to be doing is is mainly virtual readings. Now Um, I'm not saying I'll never read in person again. You know, I'm sure there will be a time when, you know, I might find another shop or I might find a therapy office or I might find um, a yoga studio or something where I pop in here and there to do in-person stuff. But, you know, I've kind of realized, too, that it's so much better for me to just focus on building my virtual business. And COVID changed everything because I was saying to myself that you know I really wanted you know my own business that I could carry on my back like I was saying but it seems so far away okay um but then COVID started happening in March and uh you know, it was a shut. There was a, the initial two week shutdown that turned into like a two month shutdown in Illinois. Um, it was the first couple days, and I knew I, I wasn't going to be back in the shop for a while. And um, yeah, in the first couple days of quarantine, what happened? Um, I remember I was walking across the park to go vote in the Illinois primaries. (laughs) I was uh, like marching my little booty over to go vote for the Bernie. (laughs) And I was walking across this park and I had this like amazing moment of like revelation and spirit just told me, listen, dude, like you're not going back to that shop. Like you're just, it's time for you to fly your wings. And I was like, i was thinking i'm like am i ready for this like i've only been professional for about a year and that shop had sort of become my comfort zone it had become a place where um like you know like it just had become a comfort zone i guess um but i think i just had stopped growing there um, and although i learned so many things i'm so grateful for my experience there both the good and bad experiences i just had this overwhelming feeling especially at the beginning of COVID that it was, it was time. It was time to go my own way. And um, how many months, like, it seems like 2020 goes by. Every month is a year. What did you say yesterday, Allison? You were like, every month is a year. And every week is like a month. So yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I know that's kind of a long story. Sorry, I got emotional. But tarot makes me emotional I guess (laughs) and that's a little bit about how I kind of got on my path and how I kind of became where I'm at now and I felt like continually the universe gives me um no choice but to level up and expand um you know, that's part of going on the healing path and part of being a healer. There's a difference between going on the healing path and actually being a healer. When you choose to be a healer, you can never go back. <laughs> there, there is no, There is no going back. The universe now is going to present you with challenge after challenge after challenge and fear after fear after fear. And, you know, you're constantly going to be challenged to level up and you're going to want to turn around every step of the way. (laughs) Like, I can't tell you how many times in the first year that um, that. I wanted to turn around, you know, I would go into my therapy, therapy appointment, and I would be crying. And I I was telling my therapist, like, I think I'm just going to go to Japan. Like, I think I'm going to go back to Japan. There's a teaching program there. It's called JET. I can definitely get into it. The, the Malaysian um, teaching program that I went through was more competitive than, than JET. So I'm going to try to do JET. I'm going to go run away to Japan and try to escape this. There were so many points where I was like trying to think up of plans of, of how to escape <laughs> what if I, what I've gotten myself into. But, you know, now I'm kind of at a point where I just feel like it's so right. Like it, it's so scary and it's, so, it's such a risk to really... Um, you know, say, like, I trust spirit with my life, but I think I have come, yeah, I've come to the point where, you know, I, I do my best at least every day to trust spirit with my life. Oh, guys, I don't think I can publish this. <laughs> I'm crying so much. Um, But, yeah, it's, um, it's a really interesting path. And I'm not crying because I'm sad. Um, I'm crying because I'm a Pisces and, um, a lot of, a lot of this stuff feels like it's, I I feel it so deeply that it just kind of, um, it overtakes me, I guess. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, and if, if I go on about how much this podcast has changed my life, I will cry even more. <laughs> so I won't do that, um, but I'm probably going to sign off because now I'm blabbing and crying and I'll probably re-record this anyways. Um, so maybe I just needed to get through this initial episode and and re-record for something later and a little bit less emotional but I don't know maybe I'll decide to put this up I don't know but I love you guys and I hope this helped someone and I will talk to you guys in the next episode